a while back, Dick Barry and I agreed that what really matters is what you like, not what you are like. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. What is up? We got a special episode for you, Eric and I do today. Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guy Media. Eric, what's going on? How we doing? How we doing? I'm doing all right. Um, uh, we're in this weird, it, we're in this weird post Halloween uh, thing right now. You know, you know what I mean? No, it I is that that it's first just, week after Halloween, you just feel like you've you've returned to, you've returned to Earth. There's so much buildup, you know. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, I mean, we had that party obviously since you were here, but I felt like after the party was over, in my head, I was like, man, Halloween's over, but it really technically wasn't. And then uh, we had some shitty weather for actual Halloween, so it wasn't a lot of trick-or-treaters, sadly. But I know you guys got some, so. Yeah, not bad. And uh, now it's like a full-blown Christmas mode everywhere. Um, People are rolling Christmas. I wait, I wait till Black, Black Friday for, for my fucking... Uh, that's I mean, when, when, it comes can... to, when it comes to Christmas shopping, I probably should have already done it by now, but... I'm always one of those late guys when it comes to shopping. Yeah, I try not to be, but it doesn't always work out that way. I, yeah, every year I say I'm gonna do, I'm gonna buy shit early. Never do, but yeah, we got Monster Mania coming up. I know we're gonna talk about that, so that's exciting as well. Yeah, that we do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, post Halloween. We did our Halloween kills episode. Um, I'd like ends to, our Halloween ends. Yeah. Uh, they all bleed would, together. They all bleed together, though. So that they do. Um, <laughs> definitely want to do my soul to take next week. But this episode, uh, we're just going to talk about some horror news and some music related stuff as far as concerts, shows, ticketing, merch prices. We're going to cover the gamut of stuff. And I mean, before we get into the music side of stuff, I guess we'll we'll hit on some horror news. I mean, today is Tom Savini's 76th birthday. The fact that that guy's 76 blows my mind. Yeah, 76, still chiseled, still sharp as a tack, uh, probably in better shape than most people I know. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what a, what a career he's had. Uh, I mean, to have a program at the, at the, uh, the, the name of the college escapes me uh, in Pittsburgh, but... Uh, to have uh, you know, the special effects program given back, like uh, you know, having that program to curate the next wave of special effects artists. I mean, his acting, his you know, uh, you know, his effects and everything that he's done for for the the community and the genre of horror is pretty. I mean, one day I think we will have to do a full blown Savini episode. Yeah, uh, we should actually. It's it's funny. We always we've talked about him so much, but we never really just just talked about him. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we've obviously met him before. Uh, on on multiple occasions, the guy is just. I mean, he is he's the king of splatter. Like, there's a lot of guys that you know. You talk like, you know, all the classic uh, makeup effects artists. Um, but as far as when it comes to slasher movies, I mean, he is the guy and dead movies too from dawn on kind of um for sure i mean as we know there's a lot of people who have their hands in the special effects but yeah to me savini is obviously you know one of the not i mean he's deserving of course but he's yeah one of the kings and one of the big names you know what i mean yeah yeah it's always uh it's great you know just i i sit here and i look at some signed uh posters i have on my wall which just signed by savini it makes me uh Makes me glad that we're still we he's still around and he's still kicking seventy six and uh he's got that fucking I don't know, maybe he's Sicilian. He's Italian, obviously, but I don't know what part of Italy oh, he's from, but super Italian. Yeah. He's he's got that fucking maybe it's Sicilian blood. I don't I don't know. He looks like uh he looks like he's gonna be eating garlic for another twenty eight years though. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean just like when we what how many years ago was it? Two years ago that we met him? The last, right? At uh, Mahoney? Yeah, the last time which it was, was right, right around Halloween, right? It was yep. wasn't the thirtieth, yeah. So that was what, yeah. 20, 
2020. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, even then, you know, he, lo- he obviously looks good. And then uh, we- I watched a video from that Grim Life Collective when they did his house. I don't even know when that one was actually shot, but the dude is just uh, obviously still, just like I said, sharp as a tack. He's a wealth of knowledge and in great shape. Like I said, I mean, he, the patented birthday cake shirtless uh, pictures that he always drops. Uh, as, I'm sure he'll drop one today, maybe. I don't know. He, did, he didn't have that. one. Last year was the first year he didn't have one. And it was because he got it. was last year. He said, uh, he said it was because he got hit. He was on a bicycle, if you remember, like a year oh, and a half right. or so yeah, ago. Yeah. And he got hit on a bicycle and he was all messed up. And I mean, because he's in great shape. A man, you know, 74 at the time, years old, he gets hit by a car on a bicycle. And the guy is just like, he is a fucking, he's a, he's a, a creature beyond this world. Yeah. I forgot about that bike accident he got in. Yeah. That would make sense, of course. But yeah, Jesus, if I got hit by a car on a bicycle, I'd probably be dead. Or if I fell down yeah. the fucking stairs, they'd probably fucking, <laughs> I don't even if know what would our- happen. If I get up out of bed the wrong way, maybe I might tweak something. So who knows? He doesn't miss chest day. I'll tell you what. He's got some impressive ass pecs. Yeah. He's a man. Yeah. I mean, I know people are kind of obviously he's 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 loved and and uh, people talk about his arrogance or whatever. I don't really think it's arrogance. I just think, you know, I don't know. It's it's a confidence in what you do. And he knows he's good. And uh yeah, I mean, one of the uh, pillars of uh, special effects, but also the horror as well. You know, it's not just, I mean, special effects, especially back in the day, play such a huge role. I'm sure they still do to a point, but back then, man, it was like everything, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, especially for genre movies, it did it, it, it defined your movie in a, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, think about all the movies that get watched, especially, I mean, in horror alone, just because of the, you know, just because of the special effects you see. So, yeah. To me, other, other, uh, other horror news. This is big. Um, and this, I guess, stretches a little bit beyond horror, but it's very horror related considering what she's most known for and what she is returned to as the horror genre. Shelly Duvall, after 20 some odd years under the porch with Margot Kidder, comes back out <laughs> and is making her triumphant return into cinema with none other than a movie called The Forest Hills starring Edward Furlong, D. Wallace, and a few other people. A werewolf film star Shelley Duvall starring in it, making her triumphant return. Yeah, I mean I I, Did you, about- that, I didn't have that on my fucking bingo card, I'll tell you that. I didn't, and it's funny because you sent the trailer this morning in the group text, uh, and uh, watching it is awesome. But uh, I literally just read about this movie, like, I want to say literally yesterday or the day before. So I didn't realize the trailer was, like, about to come out. But how awesome. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wonder what the deciding factor was for this film. I don't know if it's just because somebody offered it to her or well, it's there was something in it. It's it's interesting because I heard about this film a few weeks ago. I think at the beginning, end of September, beginning of October, when they started filming because they were filming in the Albany area. Okay, they were filming. Oh, I think they were filming. Uh, you know, uh, not in the Albany area technically, but like they were filming in the Catskills and surrounding areas. Gotcha. Um, and I saw Eddie Furlong post it and say he was starring in it. So I started following the director. I started, you know, watching Eddie Furlong post some Instagram stories. So I was just like, oh, my God, I don't know what this Forest Hills movie. I didn't even think I didn't even know it was a horror movie at first. I just knew the tight name of the movie and the Eddie Furlong was going to be in it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like Eddie's getting back out there. He just got new teeth. Um, So I was pumped. And then a couple like a right around that same time, someone posted like an interview that Shelley Duvall had had recently didn't we talk about this we sent this in the group text we were talking about Shelly Duvall yes, yes and she had just kind of emerged and did an interview and talked about you know being traumatized on the shining set and like that kind of made her spiral for the next you know 20 or so years into that uh and then gave up acting for 20 years and now she's back but and then I they released this the yesterday or the day before whenever saying that Shelly Duvall is in this Forest Hills movie and it is, in fact, a werewolf movie. 
starring D Wallace and Eddie Furlong. And then they dropped the trailer and it, fucking awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't even care what the fucking the, the film could be a heaping pile of shit. I'm already in it. I'm in it for the Blu-ray already. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Anytime. I think we talked about this before, but anytime, you know, that's a good thing about, well, it, movies all together when there's, but I feel like it's a special thing with genre films. Like we talk about when there's an actor or an actress that you really love, or we know we see a lot of these movies come out and, and, and they have some of the, you know, I guess, what would you call them? Like the genre darlings or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yes, the you know notable I mean? so faces it, from our youth, especially yeah, with exactly. Furlong. So, so yeah, and that's what I mean. Furlong, like we, I think you especially, and we all want to see him, anything he does, because we, we love that dude. Uh, this is just really cool. I think, I mean, the first film in 20 years, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Shelley Duvall back back um, in the saddle again i wonder if this will open her up to do more films is this a one-off thing is she trying to you know make it you know emerge back onto the scene because you gotta think uh there's gonna be there's gonna be some demand just based on her name and recognition alone to have sure. her in your film especially horror fans that are making films now who doesn't want shelly duvall in their fucking film right exactly and it's it just and she's interesting too because it's not like she was you know she was she was in a lot of uh you know other bigger the fucking Hollywood the roles, fucking popeye you know? movie the fucking popeye movie for sure so it's interesting yeah i mean i think people are going to be intrigued just because of the length of time and 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 who she is for sure but i'm i'm excited and like you said i kind of don't even care you know obviously i want to see it and i hope it's good but I'm a fan already, and I haven't seen it, so I'm sure a lot of people are going to feel the same way. Yeah, Scott Goldberg is the director, uh, and yeah, The Forest Hills. I don't know if there's a release date. It just says 2023. Yeah, I did uh, see it was filmed in as a Saugerties, New York. I did see that. Yes. Yeah, and so that's all. That's the Albany area, right? It's the in. Yeah, it's yeah. Not it's far. Like upstate, you know, you know how like people from New York City just call everything upstate. Yeah, like, everything. Right? Yeah. Okay, so it's about fifty mile, thirty fifty miles outside of Albany ish, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's out there. Um, you know, it, 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 this is a way off topic, but it always kills me when like, this the state of New York is vast, like so huge. But like, if you're not in New York City, it's just, oh, that's. Uh, that's upstate. It's just, a, it's like, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just oh yeah. Thing. It's two different, it's two different worlds too. And I, and even like, uh, I know I had explained to Max, um, from ready to retro, uh, just kind of like the dichotomy of like New York city versus like upstate and how, like how vast and like, I mean, Syracuse, Rochester and Buffalo are lit and Albany are all legitimate, decent sized cities, especially sure. Buffalo. Cool. Like, and that's what kills me too. Is like everybody from down in New York City thinks it's all just like, oh, there's fucking just nothing but farm up there. I mean, there is a lot of farmland, but like <laughs> yeah, Syracuse sure. is a a very urban. I mean, there's a lot of suburban and uh, rural towns surrounding Syracuse, but Syracuse is a very urban city, just like Rochester and Buffalo and yeah. Albany. Uh, well, but it, kill, like, it, it kills me. You, everyone just thinks we're fucking. I'm riding on a fucking cow. Just because well, I'm not fucking in Times Square. Every state is kind of the same anyway, in the way I see it. Not that I'm a world traveler, but this is my third, you know, from New York, lived in Maryland, lived in Pennsylvania. Every state, in my opinion, is kind of the same. It's like you've got your cities and then you have your space in between the cities. And most of the time that's rural. I know I mentioned it on the podcast before, but like when I tell people I'm from New York, usually they automatically think New York City. And I'm like, no, oh, yeah. like I'm. I'm from and I'm li I'm closer to New York City here than I was in New York, which should speak volumes about how big the state is. So exactly. Um, but yeah, just a random thought. I don't know. No, for some reason. it needed to be noted for sure. Uh, <laughs> speaking of New York and New Yorkers, Damien Leone, uh, a tri-state uh, comrade, um, Terrifier 2 box office fucking smash considering what it is a, a quarter million dollar film now over eight million dollars made 32 times its fucking money it's what insane. a fucking 32 times its money now i can't speak too much because i'm a bad fan and i haven't seen it yet i do want to see it it's just things have been crazy um i think it's amazing 
Like, I liked the first one. I will admit, I didn't think it was like, it didn't blow me away by any means. You know what I mean? It was, right, right. It was cool what, what it was, for sure. Yeah. I just think it's so rad that now, like we talk about it all the time, we want to see horror do good. This movie comes out in limited release. Uh, it was like a, wasn't it an event, right? Like, was it a Fathom event or something, right? Started out as it? a Fathom event, but it did so well and gained almost $2 million on like, you know, one or two time slot showings on a Friday and Saturday. Right. That they were like, well, let's let's open it up for the for, you know, uh, it's time slot or two for, you know, Wednesday through Friday or whatever that. Following yeah. Yeah. Week. And they did it for the, the following week after that. And now they're over eight million dollars on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget. It's amazing. And and, and what it's, I love about it, too it's is changing it, horror right now. It is, is. It is. It is. And this is why, like, it's kind of a catch 22 a little bit by some of the stuff we talk about and i'm not saying this is that but like with like some of the a24 stuff where it's like real artsy and that whole uh elevated horror thing like that's why i think this is like kind of a catch 22 with it is like i want to see horror do well and i know you do as well and i want it and i want a lot of different eyes to see it uh but i also don't want it to tarnish the genre at the same time but what i think about is cool about this run of terrifier 2 is i would imagine that there's a lot of people who maybe aren't like diehard horror fans like we are who heard about it. Um, Just the buzz. They were talking about it on morning shows, dude. And that's what I mean. And like you were talking yesterday about like the Oscars, like how it got, you know, brought to the Oscars attention and they posted about it on, or they commented something on social media. Yeah. I just think it's cool that I'm, and I'm, and I'm hoping that there was a lot of people who didn't know what terrifier was or even horror that much. And then they, they went to see it just, you know how there's a lot of film snobs out there, you know what I mean? So yeah. if they see something do well, however, that being said, knowing the first one, not seeing the second one yet, if there's someone who's not familiar with horror, I feel bad for them. If, if that was their first, <laughs> like, I... <laughs> just for the pure violence factor. I think like, I, I like terrifier. I like terrifier too. I don't think by any, by any stretch of the imagination, is it, um, you know, it's breaking ground in a sense of having something that vicious be out in cinemas and gain 32 times its budget. I mean, any, I don't care. Honestly, I could, if I could even hate the film and I don't, obviously I like it, but I could hate the film and I would still be proud to be a horror fan and proud that, you know, a homegrown horror dude like Damien Leone is who's a makeup effects artist on the film too he's started out as a makeup effects artist and is now a director of those of the terrifier films but um yeah it's awesome yeah i mean like you said yeah i mean it's really just it's only gonna help other horror get noticed and be like we can make a two hundred fifty thousand dollar slasher film and make fucking 32 times it's fucking thing if we get enough buzz and it's it's fucking either outrageous or violent enough to get, garner that fucking for sure for sure because again i go ahead keep keep going my, my I'll, I'll say that like if any i have to tip my cap to everyone involved with terrifier 2 just because it is so unapologetically fucking vicious yeah. And it's vicious on like a on a level that even like even I'm in like impressed with it. I'm just like, man, this isn't even like this is the guy's fucking. I told I think I told you I was like this guy's working yeah. out some fucking issues through these films. <laughs> it's definitely got yeah. I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but uh, obviously I've read a bit, and and I just just from the first one. I mean, yeah, I figured. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's elevated from the first one when it comes to violence, so I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, I, it obviously helps. And and again, I don't, I didn't see it. I don't know how it ends, but I got to think with the money that's being made, is this our next new like franchise? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean, we. I think we've waited long enough to get something aside from the the fucking Saw franchise, so it's going to be interesting to see what this... I mean, and honestly, as much as people want to shit on the Saw franchise, and yes, the first one's probably the only truly awesome fucking film, in my opinion, um, 
it's not like the conjuring or the insidious ones. Like as much as I, I love the first insidious and I like the second insidious and I like the first conjuring a lot. And I like uh, the second conjuring a lot. Right. Those don't, those aren't, I want to say this without sounding like a complete fucking elitist piece of dumb fucking trash, but those, those aren't like, those are horror movies that like, aren't necessarily made for people like us. People like us can end up enjoying them and appreciating them and love the acting and love the stories and stuff like that. But those films aren't the horror films that were, they aren't the horror films that we're going to revisit six, seven times every 18 months. They aren't the ones that we're going to say, okay, we're doing a marathon. You know, we're going to watch fucking Sleepaway Camp 1, 2, and 3. It, right. Those aren't going to have the same kind of, I mean, because they aren't meant to be campy, but I guess I look for a little bit more campiness in my horror. But then again, uh, I don't know. I don't think those films are made those films aren't made specifically for diehard horror fans. Those fan, those are made for the mainstream, but also in, in part and parcel attract all horror fans just because horror fans are horror fans. I agree fully. I, I, I know what you mean, and you don't sound like any type of way. Like I, I agree with you fully. I think that there's movies that come out that are like that, that are – they're trying to hit a broad audience, you know, they're not, and which I guess every movie you want to, but I'm saying, I know exactly what you mean. Like they're trying to appeal to everybody. They're not going to making it too crazy where, um, you know, certain people who maybe aren't big, big horror fans, uh, aren't going to want to go because it's too crazy. Like, so I understand what you mean by that for sure. Uh, speaking of saw though, I did hear that there another one possibly coming out and they're shooting for next year. Maybe. Yeah, apparently Tobin Bell's supposed to be in it, even though the fucker died 15 years ago in the franchise. <laughs> hey, they could do some crazy things now. Who knows? Yeah, you ain't kidding. But uh, uh, I was never a big. I, I will admit, I was. I saw. I really only really remember the first three. Like I saw the first one in theaters, second one in theaters. I think. Uh, I, I just I don't know. They never really. I thought the first one was cool and different, but uh, I don't know. I was just never a big Saw guy. Like. I just it didn't really grab me like for some reason, but no, nah, it didn't be on the first film for me either. But yeah, I respect it because how many how many ended up coming out? Like I don't know, I think ten now. Like yeah, then like with that last one, Spiral, right? Isn't that like the tenth movie or something like that? Yeah, Am I wrong about that? That's no, insane, I actually. So. <laughs> I mean, it's no fucking uh, wrong turn. You know, now there's a franchise. Give it, give an e- <laughs> evil bong a run for its money. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> evil bong. Love uh, it. Speaking of uh, Gary Busey, <laughs> move to cons. Um, so we got uh, we got the PA Monster Mania in Oaks, Pennsylvania coming up. Uh, this is the second time they've had it this venue at the Oaks uh, Convention Center. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a b- bigger place than the Cherry Hill locations at the hotel. Um I like this venue a lot. I know you do. It's more spacious, uh more equipped for a, a actual con as it's not a hotel. It's a it's an actual convention center to have a convention. Exactly, um, yeah. Looks like there's going to be some more vendors there this year and there's Duncan Regeer and just announced Tom Noonan along with is her name Ashley Banks? Bank. Yeah, Ashley Bank. I think it's just Bank, but yeah, Ashley Bank. Uh from Monster Squad, 35th anniversary Monster Squad. Eric, your favorite film. And I know you uh were exuberant yesterday when Tom Noonan's tall old ass finally got announced for a Monster Mania. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, like you said, Monster Mania is like, you know, my favorite movie ever. And uh Noonan's just a man, obviously, even outside of Monster Squad, like everything I've ever seen him in is yeah, great. He's world he's world class, so I have uh, obviously I have a nice little poster that uh, it's got a bunch of autos on it, and I'm gonna add three more. So super excited, and just you know, just a to touch on the Oaks uh, Monster Mania. Yeah, you're right. Like it's, I think it's better. Um, if anybody's listening who's gone to Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, like yeah, like I understand a bit that it's a hotel and it's easier for people, and maybe it's a 
you know, it's, I think it's about an hour difference or, you know, depending on traffic, 45 minutes to an hour away, like Oaks and Cherry Hill. But um, I just like it better. It's And not just because it's closer. It's just like you don't feel as cramped and as rushed and as uh, herded around like cattle or something. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's it's different. So I hope they continue. I mean, I hope that um, we see the ticket sales because I know they've been pushing the tickets. So. Yeah, so you can go to monstermania.net and get your tickets there if you want to come to the Oaks uh, PA Convention Center. And yeah. uh, we got a Dream Warrior reunion with all the Dream Warriors cast, just about everybody. Yeah, you got to touch on that for sure. Oh, yeah, that's impressive, actually. Usually you got to figure there's a couple of them would be like, nah, I don't want to do it. But yeah, you got Ken Sagos, you got Jennifer Rubin, you got. Um, uh, Ira Heaton, Robert England, obviously, Heather Langkamp, obviously, um, everybody, the kid that played Eyeball Chambers, I forget his name. Let me ask that. you a question. You think they, you think they pitched it to Patricia, our cat? Uh, I have a feeling they probably couldn't even get in contact with her. Yeah. They couldn't call David. Say, hey, Dave, hey, can we talk Dave. to your sister? Tell yeah, she's kind long, of a. Tell her how long your fucking line was at the last one, David. <laughs> Isn't she kind of? She's renounced her right. I'm right about that. She's kind of renounced her, like her, her that role yeah. and like kind of. Yeah, she. Like she, is, she is a great actress, of course. Uh, I mean, I think she's a great actress. But uh, if I can remember, I don't know where I'm thinking of this. Like that, she's like kind of. Yeah, she's like renounced all that, and she doesn't like even like play up to the any of the, uh, you know being in, you know. A, a horror film of that magnitude, at least in my eyes, but. Yeah. Um so that's a uh, that's exciting that's coming up next weekend. Pretty pumped for that. Um but I guess switching gears here, get a little back into our music talk cuz we haven't talked about music in a while. Um concert ticket prices are a big thing right now with the Blink-182 reunion and the Ticketmaster dynamic pricing which means if there is a high demand for tickets, the price goes up. If some, if you sell, let's say in the first thirty seconds, the tickets are on sale. They sure. sell a thousand tickets. Yeah, they're gonna. The price goes up. It it it's based on demand. On top of that, you have, and that's what people don't understand. And I've heard people discuss the ticketing thing, and they're like, "Well, I got my ticket on Ticketmaster." Okay, well, Ticketmaster sells verified resale tickets, which means Eric or I can go buy a ticket for $150 to Blink-182 and then post it as a resale ticket. And it just says, but that's the thing. When you click a lot of these tickets, if you're not reading the little print that's in the little box on the ticket you're selecting that says like verified resale ticket, yeah. like people just assume know. like, yeah, that's, I bought it off Ticketmaster. No, you actually bought it off some fucking raging piece of fucking dog shit that fucking yep. jacked the price up, triple the, the cost on top of Ticketmaster's dynamic pricing. And yeah. I mean, the only way to combat this is to just people not to buy tickets. And I think I think there's that and the cost of touring and stuff while you're seeing bands that you're have, having bands straight up cancel tours now Um, for the cost of I diesel. Like to... Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, like between the cost of diesel inflation and ticket prices, if you want to go see one of these bigger bands – you're you could be in for a minimum of five bills between a ticket, travel, lodging if needed, yeah. merch at the show, food out. Like I I ballparked Metallica tickets for when they played Highmark, the Buffalo Bills Stadium here in upstate New York. Um, and I would have been in, I'm not even shitting you, between the ticket. If I was gonna buy a ticket and go sit in the fucking bleeders by myself. I was like 260 bucks all in for the ticket. Plus, you know, you eventually get billed for the tolls to drive out there. Oh, gas, yeah. a tank of gas, uh, food, you know, parking is another thing. It's 45, 50. It was $50 to park at Highmark. If you want right. to park, if you wanted to park there. Um, but I mean, you're, you're five, I, I, that would have been easily 500 bucks just for me to go see Metallica. And honestly, Metallica's got enough money. I love Metallica. I would love to see them. But I'm not going to... Sh- 
I would never like, I told you before COVID, I was trying to go see Metallica and I was like between travel and stuff. Cause I can't remember where they were playing. They were playing maybe even like Jer- somewhere in Jersey or something, maybe Camden at the Prodigal center or something. Right. Um, I was going to go to that and I would have been like almost a grand deep. And why am I going to strap myself for a fucking week when they're fucking like Lars is walking around with a fucking goddamn leopard fucking robe on that costs fucking $1,400. I guess my biggest thing about, well, my biggest thing about ticket pricing, especially with like anything that's a little bit bigger that you're going to buy through like a ticket master or something like that is I would just like to know the, the, the behind the scenes stuff like how much does the band or the artist really have like how much say do they really have i just find it hard to believe that they don't have that much say really like i don't know i mean to a point with the dynamic pricing that's on Ticketmaster, live nation and shit like that right. and what is metallica think... what's metallica i mean metallica would have to be the band to be like we're selling our own tickets and we're working with the venue we're doing all right. the logistics and stuff like that they don't want to get into that headache uh, and they don't want to foot the bill, so fuck, fuck it. Let the fan do it. Why the fuck? I don't give a fuck. Right. Exactly. I people are going to show just, up regardless. It's sad. Yeah, and that's the truth. I mean, and that's what the problem is too: is that people are going to show up no matter what. But I just think it's like, you know, back in the day with like the handling costs and whatever. Like I understand you're most of the time you're getting a physical ticket sent to you or whatever, however you're doing it, or you're picking up a physical ticket. Maybe that. But nowadays, with just if I buy a concert ticket right now to if I like, you know, wherever I'm going, if I'm, I'm buying it there, I'm getting an email with a digital you know copy where they're going to scan it. I guess I just don't understand where all the back end stuff comes from. And yeah, like it really, I mean, it can handcuff some people like two tickets to a show nowadays. Most of the time you're not with fees. Spending, you're a, like, even like a midsize show with fees, you're at like probably 70 to a hundred bucks a ticket. For sure, for sure, a hundred percent. So, and that—that's not going to see fucking Guns and Roses or Elton John or fucking Burt no. Bacharach. Like, I can just is... remember when I was when you when we were younger. Like, you can remember like obviously we grew up going to like hardcore and punk shows, and those shows were like, you know, at most like fifteen bucks or something. But and that was even a lot back then. But you know, the thought of like going to a big show and spending like a hundred dollars was like, all right, like that's it was kind of crazy. But now that's just like. That's just like what you're doing every time. It's the norm. And it's just, it's upsetting because obviously music plays a big role in our lives and we love going and see live music, but where do you draw the line? Like, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's getting out of hand and hopefully, you know, somebody steps up, a a prominent artist steps up and does something. Cause that's, what's going to take is a prominent artist. Yeah. We take Uh, someone like Metallica size to do it. Yeah. Maybe if we get Taylor Swift on board. Because apparently she runs the world now, I think. Yeah, but she's like, you got to even, I saw something, and Bridget was telling me today, you have to be like a verified fan through her site to even purchase her fucking tickets. I did see see that because uh, somebody at work was talking about it, and and obviously uh, uh, they were saying that. And I saw some stuff online, too, about uh, having to sign up for something and then... So she just announced her tour or whatever. That's going to be, I can only imagine what the tickets are for that shit. Now, here's the next question. Here's the question leading into this. What's your limits on ticketing? Like, what is your, what's your limit? If you're going to see a bigger concert arena show, or is it dependent on the artist? Yeah, I mean, for me, it would, it would really depend on the artist. I mean, obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to spend a crazy amount of money on that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's certain artists that I would probably pay a good a good portion to see. I don't know about a cap financially. I mean, I would be hard-pressed to think that I would ever pay more than, like, 200 bucks to go see somebody. Right. Um, you know, I don't know who would draw me out. Like, I would... I'd, I would like to see this version of like the Misfits, of course, with with Glenn back with a couple of the boys. I bet with Lombardo on drums. I think that'd be fun. But I don't know. You know, I can't see myself paying more than two hundred dollars for a show. How about you? No, I'm I I I've seen about everyone I've wanted to see with a, a few exclusions. Like I would love to see Metallica. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not gonna like. I feel like a. 
I feel like I am betraying myself going to see Metallica and paying what they yeah. because like listen, they're fucking mega fucking millionaires. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you should be you're don't and, and don't cry fucking poverty on the fuck you they own all their masters. So guess what? The- when the fucking ma- master puppets went back into the top went for the first time went into the top 10 and first saw rock songs and the album recharted they're making money on that that does not go to anyone else they own the masters it's blackened yeah. fucking records if you look on fucking spotify or apple i um and, and they're kind of the ones that i'm thinking about uh like them and like springsteen i guess been oh, charged yeah. a lot well both like, of them have been accused of hiring firms to buy yeah. tickets and they and got exposed I mean. like, but then it got the story got killed swept under the rug yeah so i just those are the bands of the people i'm thinking like taylor swift again i'm not a big taylor swift person but obviously she's fucking huge um i just want them to be like step up and be like yeah like i don't need to charge this amount of money like oh i'm fucking we're filthy rich i mean metallica obviously they're one of the biggest bands in the world when it comes to heavy music they probably are the biggest band in the world i mean they sell out baseball and football stadiums yeah that's what i mean it's like they're i just i would wish i i wish that something like them somebody like them would step up and 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 say you know this we're not gonna gouge people because but you you know what dude this is what i don't understand is set your ticket prices way low then guess what? Then I wouldn't mind. I would maybe maybe I just need the diversion of it all. But right. I would feel much better if your ticket prices was price was lower. Now Metallica t-shirts were I think $75 if you're going to buy a Metallica t-shirt on their current tour. Right. Now that changed city to city depending on what the, you know, the 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 venue or stadium or whatever what percentage they were taking. Usually it's like 20 or 25 percent sometimes it's it's more i know in canada it's more but their fucking money is less than ours or whatever if i don't know what the conversion is it's all fucking whatever right Uh, but like i would feel better about spending 75 dollars a ticket if i knew i was going to see metallica and had a like a a lower you know fee a field ticket or like that first tier up off the field or something. And I paid a hundred, a hundred bucks for all fees and everything. I'd feel better about dropping 150 bucks on, on two shirts. If I went there. Exactly. But I mean, think I, about how many, how many people are can fit into an NFL stadium? Usually 70 plus thousand. Uh, obviously everyone's not paying a hundred dollars, but imagine if so, 75,000 people paid a hundred bucks. I mean, just the math alone is, it's pretty glaring. Like, we will we'll even say because they cut off probably a quarter of the stadium, and then we'll say other parts are blocked off for fucking various reasons. We'll say a sixty thousand stadium. You take away a quarter of it, you're at forty five. Take away another ten thousand, you're at thirty five thousand dollars. Thirty five thousand ticket holders. Let's say let's even round down to twenty five. Let's even go crazy. So they say they didn't sell it. 25,000 people at a stadium show for Metallica. This is I'm, right. And I'm going on the lower end divided by two. So let's say 12,500 people buy one shirt at $75. That's yeah. $937,500 minus the 20% that the, that you know, the venue is going to take or 25. They're making a quarter million dollars or a half. They're making over a half a million dollars just on merch. That's if only half of what I'm low projecting buys one shirt. That's crazy. So, and I understand they need fucking someone to powder Lars's balls. They need fucking 20 psychiatrists to tell James he's worthy enough to fucking be on stage so he can cry about how he's divorced and he fucking lives in a fucking, just a fucking slaughtered elk fucking ranch with fucking uh, a million fucking uh, dollars just sleeping on the shit so he can look like the fucking cowardly lion. Um, like, like I'm supposed, yeah, I'm going to strap myself for a week 
So what? So Lars can have his balls powdered. So James can fucking be emotionally supported by 40 fucking psychologists, even though he's a fucking multi-billionaire or multi-millionaire. Like, I mean, this is, this is where I like have a really hard, I got a complex with fucking the wealthy anyway, but, um, regardless, like I just, I can't like, you know, uh, put it this way. What was your most enjoyable show? What's the, what's your show of the year that you've attended this year so far? Uh, it's so tough for me to, pinpoint the show of the year um i mean i saw ghost twice uh once before the record came out once after the record came out those are both really fun uh seeing anthrax uh, was really fun gaslight anthem after their hiatus came back for a tour that was really a great time it's tough for me to pinpoint just one you know what i mean yeah one of my favorite bands obviously murder by death i saw them play as well really tough i mean I don't know. Those are some of the shows I saw this year, though, obviously. But uh, I would say just pure um, entertainment value to go with the music. Probably the the ghost shows, especially the second one. I saw them in uh, in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, and it was, uh, it was incredible. I mean, they put on like it's so theatrical nowadays, you know what I mean? Like their show oh, is yeah. just so crazy. I mean, I know you've seen them obviously as well. So, uh, but that that one was probably the, you know, the most uh, pizzazz to go with the to go with the music. So, gotcha. But yeah, all everybody I saw this year was a lot of fun. It was tough to tough to pinpoint just one, you know, in a couple different genres as well. So it's tough to kind of different vibes every show, you know. Yeah, for sure. But, I've uh, only yeah. How about you? I've only seen a few shows this year. I I mean, I really, it's been, I mean, more so this year than the year, the past two years because of COVID and we were coming out of it last year and 2020 was complete shutdown. 21 was coming out of it. Um, So 22, I've definitely been to more shows. The most, most shows I've been to since 2019. Um, And that includes, uh, not even that. I don't even know if I've been. If I've been to, you gotta, shows. you gotta touch on your bad luck. Your string of bad luck with shows too. Well, my string of bad luck started <laughs> with the cult. The cult was here to play Syracuse at the Crowd Science Theater at the On Center. The On Center uh, is also the connected. You know, it's part of the War Memorial On Center where the Syracuse Crunch, uh, uh, the Syracuse Crunch hockey team plays, and. They were to play the small, smaller theater that is connected to it, where I've seen Ghost play a few times, or one time there, and then once in the actual War Memorial Stadium or arena. Uh, show up at the door. Uh, people are walking out. Guy says, "You going here for the call?" Yep. Well, they just can't. They just postponed the show. What do you mean they <laughs> postponed? I'm walking into the fucking door right now. No, they postponed it said the that they postponed it didn't give a reason i mean i guess low ticket sales because it's syracuse and probably every the three people that we talked to that were just as in just much shock as we were were from out of town so there's no in in towners that one that got canceled then we go to see the anthrax black label show with hate breed opening i was pumped for hate breed i came out of fucking fat man mosh retirement for hate breed (laughs) hate breed played worlds apart so you knew it was fucking over um and then the stage fucking during Hatebreed set, Hatebreed cut their set short, said there's an issue with the stage. Come to find out Black Label's getting their grand piano and fucking this is like uh, three weeks later. Black Label's got their grand piano out there. They're fucking doing everything. We see some commotion going on backstage. Guy, Venue guy comes up there, says the show's canceled. You can get your fucking refunds on Tuesday. Come to find out the fucking stage was faulty and they repaired it but in repairing it before the show they actually made it worse and the stage was splitting in half when jamie josta was up there uh singing and hatebreed was playing and they deemed it unsafe and anthrax and black label did not play in rochester i know i felt i felt so bad because i ended up seeing that obviously the same tour but uh it's so crazy like i don't know I mean, just it's just think- a, it's a slumlord venue owner that's never taken care of the venue. And from Danny Lilker did a podcast and he talked about that happening at that show because he's a Rochester native. Danny Lilker being the original 
uh anthrax bass player obviously being the bass player and one of the main songwriters in stormtroopers of death um and a million other fucking projects um nuclear assault uh but yeah he pretty much said that yeah the fucking the venue has never been really updated ever um well, that so, was yeah, a main street main street armory main street armory yeah in rochester yeah. so that yeah. was my string of bad luck as far as shows that i am that stick with me it's the 218 vision show seeing them back to back uh i mean you wouldn't no, mind giving, no question if you don't mind give me i mean i'll do the same if you don't mind too but give me a rundown of just like do you have a rundown of all the shows you saw this year i can't even remember i had to um, like go back i didn't see and, a lot i didn't things. see a crazy amount but I, i'm like i'm struggling to remember what shows i went to but yeah, let I me mean, talk more about the 18 Visions, obviously, because you, you know, 18 Visions being your favorite band or were, you know, arguably one of your top three, obviously. I mean, Ramones are my favorite band of all time. 18 Visions sits right, bo- right below them. I mean, and for, yeah, yeah. For, for a metalcore band from Orange County to fucking sit right below fucking <laughs> the Ramones is pretty. My love for 18 Visions is, is, yeah, runs I know, I mean, deep. Runs deep. You and I, when it comes to, you know, music and movies, I know we have a lot of, you know, we have favorites and, and it's tough to rank, but yeah, I understand. Like when I think of There's, you for your favorite I, music, I mean, I think of Ramones, I think 18 Visions, of course. I only have so. three band tattoos and two of them are the Ramones and 18 Visions, put it that way. There you go. Um, But yes, uh, yeah, being able to see them first time since they did the 2018 This Is Hardcore set, which was fucking phenomenal. Um, before that, I had caught them a couple times uh, since their return. Um, but yeah, this is the first time they've come to the East Coast since then, doing a Vanity 20th anniversary tour. Like you couldn't have fucking, you couldn't have pitched a better idea to me. I was not <laughs> going to miss anything, and, and caught two shows: one in fucking Horseheads, New York, where they played this random fucking churchy venue. He did not pronounce that wrong either. No, horse, horse, it is Horseheads, New York. Horseheads, New York. Uh, but yeah, killer. Killer fucking set sound better than ever. Uh, James fucking killing it. Even he had some, I think he had some vocal issues, but I mean, I couldn't have told the difference cause he's fucking killing it. Like, uh, Keith just like fucking underrated riffman and has, they've recreated those songs and re-released the album vanity album, 20th anniversary, you know, being able to just kind of bullshit and meet with Cameron, uh, singer for Duca uh or duca and um and you know was out with them doing lights and and, uh and running the fog machine for him and shit um cool to just kind of connect with him and after having james and keith on the podcast being able to just kind of shoot the shit with them um and just be able to have cameron on the podcast after that too and just connect with him and just super awesome dude and and dudes like james and keith just so fucking nice um great dudes great band then saw him you know the next night in buffalo drove you know two hours down south to see him and then drove two and a half hours west to see him the next day um and yeah just killer fucking you know seeing some vanity songs i never thought i would see and 18 visions obviously one of my two favorite bands of all time so it was fucking great and that's definitely my highlighted shows as far as other shows i saw i saw a newfound glory show um, of them headlining and playing the Sticks and Stones album, which is also 20 years old this year. And they had Four Years Strong and Be Well, which has members of Bane, uh, well, you know, Aaron Dalbeck from Bane opening. Uh, Four Years Strong is just fucking so fun. They're actually playing Philly next Friday. Um, and uh, I thought about just fucking going to that, fucking dragging you guys there. But um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like Newfound Glory, one of my all time favorite bands as well. Like I, that's probably like, I couldn't even tell you how many to that, them over 50 times. That's probably like over the 50th time I've seen them by far. Like I've seen that band so much. Um, I'm trying to think what other fucking shows I went to this year. I can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I I really can't like, I, as I get older, I feel like I, not that I'm old, but I feel like I had to like really remember. But I went from from what I could tell, I went to seven shows this year, so, unless I'm missing any. But I think I went to seven. So we saw Dying Wish do a uh, off date headlining show at the Lost. I remember that one. And Dying Wish is a band I've been wanting to see. Like I fucking love that band so much. 
What about when you saw uh, Betrayal Guilt and End? Was that this year? Or was that yeah, last year? Oh, yeah, good good call. That was, uh, yeah, Charlie and I went to that one. Uh, yeah, that was fucking sick. End was fucking sicker than dog shit. I got even more I can remember for you. You went to that fest in your in Liverpool with the. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, insane metal fest right down the road. Literally a walk down the road. Um, it was like Exodus, right? Did Exodus, Exodus headline that one? Carnivore AD, Municipal Waste, Voivod. How awesome. Um, yeah, that was a fucking integrity. Integrity. And in saw yeah. and saw integrity in Rochester. Say, and saw integrity in, in Rochester. Rochester. Yeah. See, this works. is how this is how close we are. I remember the shows you went to see. I'm glad you remember because I was having fucking trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, just I mean, if you don't mind really quickly, uh, what I saw, I actually have the dates. I mean my first show of the year was February twelfth. Uh, I saw Ghost with Bowlby in Twin Temple. Uh, that was in um, Camden, uh, New Jersey, which is right over the border, kind of a sketchy area, but it was at like an amphitheater type thing. It was really cool. It was right before Impera, you know, came out. So, uh, in Twin Temple, if no one's listened to them, should go check them out. They're like a satanic doo-wop band. Really cool. Um, I saw Arlo McKinley, who's like this Americana guy I really like. He's got a lot of roots in like punk and hardcore as well. Saw him in May. Uh, Bouncing Souls do their Stoked for the Summer uh, in Asbury Park, New Jersey. I want to see that as well with Hot Water Music. There was other bands that played, but I'm really just going to mention the Souls and Hot Water Music because I love them both. Um, and then, yeah, um, that was us. August, I like I said, I saw Anthrax. That's the tour you were talking about, Anthrax, with Black Label and Hatebreed, which was really awesome. Uh, I saw Murder by Death, who's one of my favorites, with Amigo the Devil. And then the most recent one is uh, October 7th. We saw Gaslight Anthem after their hiatus at the Met in Philly, which is a really cool like theater-type venue. Um, and it was a sellout. It was crazy. And that was uh, that was really cool to see them after not, being, not seeing them for such a long time. So... Yeah, that's sick. Um, yeah, so so what? And the more that to come. Seven, that's more. that seven shows. Yeah, seven shows. The only other show this year that I think I might like, Merciful Fate is playing pretty soon. Uh, I kind of would love to see that. So some some of Jen's family, I think, want to go to that as well. So I maybe go see that. But other Wait, than that, where is where is that coming? Is that coming to Camden too? That one's going to be at the Fillmore in Philadelphia. When's that? Is that February? Or is that December? No, that's actually like this this month. It's November, sometime in November. It's like a random weekday, though, sadly. But that's all I got for this year I can think of. I know Bayside uh, is doing a tour with like I Am the Avalanche. That's really, I thought would be cool. That's like next year, though, I think. Yeah, Um. it looks like I went to seven, too, unless I'm forgetting some. So that end show in February went with Charlie, the Integrity Show. In Rochester, um, the Dying Wish show at the Loss, that Metal Fest we just talked about with Exodus and Voivod and Carnivore and Integrity played that. Um, the two 18B shows, Hope's Fall played fucking Satellite Years at that fucking Horseheads yeah, show with 18 so awesome. Visions at that fest too. Um, Are they going to do that? Is, is that a fest that they do every year or will they be doing that every year? They've done it in the past and stuff. Um, I'm not going to sure if they're going to continue, but it would be cool. It's a cool venue. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then just Hatebreed, uh, pretty much a Hatebreed headlining show, the only band that played that show before <laughs> it got canceled. And I don't know if I've been to a show since then. I don't think. Yeah, I know you were, you were going to go to, uh, there was a show recently I think you were going to go to, but but yeah, I can't think uh, of anything else. Uh, I am. I do think I'm going to go see Steel Panther at Del Lago. Oh, they're playing there again. They're playing there again. I love that Del Lago. You it's a casino, them, it's uh, casino by us. Year, so. right? Or something? Yeah, uh, last September they played, and that that was so much fun. Uh, I mean, they put on it's half a comedy set, you know, half fucking like just them shredding with their songs that are goofy, but they're fucking yeah. amazing musicians. It's such a fun time. Everyone lets loose. It's just cool. Um, and they had Joey Bell- Belladonna come up there and sing fucking a couple songs last year, and it was fucking awesome. great. It was fucking amazing because Joey's a upstate boy. 
Yeah, he's a man too. He's just a, he's one. He's a great dude. You see, speaking of Belladonna, you see he's gonna tour that uh, those Journey songs. Yeah. He's doing that Beyond Frontiers. Yeah, Beyond Frontiers, fucking bringing it back. Uh, which is great because he kills those songs, dude. He's he's in his sixties and he's just. I'm not sure. From his era, there's no one that can fucking even touch him. He dusts everyone. Vocally. The dude is the. I mean. You know, seeing them obviously recently, he's just the man. First off, he just seems like the nicest, coolest dude. Every time you hear anything about him or, or you know, listen to him in an interview or something, but yeah, his his fucking energy is unmatched. Like straight up there, Bruce Dickinson style, where they just fucking basically running like nine laps while he's on stage, <laughs> just yeah. fucking yeah, you know, amazing stuff. So yeah, just a uh, complete insanity. Um, I don't think I've seen any other shows. I think that was it. Um, if there is, I'm missing some, but regardless, yeah. regardless, what's your vinyl purchases of, of the year? And do you have a favorite colorway of said purchases vinyl? I don't know if I could remember every piece of piece of vinyl I bought this year. Um, favorite colorways. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I'm really, you know, just maybe something that's uh, I just got was the uh, Queens of the Stone Age just uh, repressed pretty much every one, not every one of the, the records, but they repressed their first record and uh, a couple other ones. And I just got, it's funny because I ordered them all together, which usually they don't do this, but I just got that in the mail. They're, they're you know, they're self-titled Queens of the Stone Age record. And that's on color and it's like an orange pinkish color i'm really stoked on that obviously that them being one of my favorites and their vinyl is kind of anything that's exclusive is really hard to get your hands on for sure so uh that's one thing i'm really excited about that i just got uh i am excited to get which i don't even know when we're supposed to get them but the halloween ends vinyl yeah um, yeah it's the january it looks like yeah so i'm excited for that I, I i went with the uh one of the sacred bones with the alternate art uh, so that one's like what blood twister is the color. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, it's tough to just pinpoint ex- exactly what uh, my favorite record purchase is because I just uh, I've done so many. But uh, yeah, the Queens of Stone is just in my mind because I just recently got that. Uh, but how about you? How about you? I'm sure I'm sure someone will come to my mind and I'll end up butting in and telling you. But how about you? Um. So the first couple I can think of are the four. I got all four variants of the 1996 18V cover record that they did with uh, 90s, uh, mostly 90s uh, hard rock songs and hardcore songs. Um, And they did four variants of that, uh, like a fucking purple and teal pinwheel with black splatter like a green and pink splatter on like a baby blue with black splatter uh, like uh like a neon a highlighter yellow with neon green splatter and then like a red with like a fucking like multicolor twist. Um that's sick, yeah. I got all four of those. Um terror killing the they're they're varying they're variants 18 vision it seems like they've been killing it since they like kind of returned or whatever. Oh yeah they because they are in control of everything. They make all the I mean I I, I taught you you know because you listen to the episode and, and you know because I've talked to you about it like James is just dialed in. He fucking and th- th- that's what kills me too. Is like some of these variants that bands put out, they seem so lazy. And then I see like what Eighteen Visions is putting out, and they're just fucking like destroying the fucking vinyl game. Yeah, I think it's cool when 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 a band cares. You know what I mean? When they care about what, well, like, there's a conscious effort to uh, put out certain colorways. You know what I mean? Like when oh, when they're picking time. it for a reason. So yeah, uh, I think that's cool. Um, I did want to actually butt in really quick. I, I will say I, I should bring up Murder by Death. So uh, Murder by Death, uh, they basically crowdfund all their records now. I think that I think it's kind of cool because you get a lot of uh, perks. Yeah, that's great. So so you basically pre-order the record. Uh, so they they put out their newest record. And it's a, it's a basically the only way you could have gotten is if you pre-ordered it. Uh, it's just pink. It's like a vibrant pink color. So I'm I'm pretty pumped on that. And like I said, they do it a little bit different where they crowdfund all their stuff and they're very DIY with all their shit. So yeah, that's 
that's the way to go for bands these days is to do it yourself because then you have no middleman and you don't have people that aren't you making the decisions to satisfy exactly. your fan. So if you're, and then it's only them to blame if the fan doesn't like it or some, there's an issue, it's, it's only them to blame. So the power's in their hands. And I think that's the way to go, especially when it comes to vinyl. Yeah, no, hundred percent for sure. For sure. And I just think it's cool because you're kind of, for them, it probably, I, I don't even, I mean, for them, it kind of makes sense too, because you really, I guess you're not really losing anything, but you're also not, it's not like you're getting rich by any means. And they're doing, you're doing like, like they're literally doing all the work. They're literally like packaging everything and, and they're the ones who are shipping everything. And so it's, I, I, that's what I, one of the things obviously musically I love about them, but they, they're uh, also just, that's their mindset is like very DIY. So, but, uh, but yeah. Somewhat uh company I did want to shout out was Terravision. Um, they do horror movie oh, soundtracks yeah. and soundtracks. Um, I wanted to pop them out because they released two of my favorite fucking uh releases this year. The Chud 2 Bud the Chud soundtrack. They have two amazing fucking variants out of that. And I got one of those, um, which is like a a Coke bottle blue like clear blue but then it has like a green and blue like like splotch splatter thing to it it's just fucking it looks amazing and they also did um the demon wind score and they did that with like purple with like a uh, a fucking like splatter like i don't know it just looked uh it looked just sick with like a neon green splatter came out and like a white splatter too so it almost looks like uh like a glitter i don't know it's really cool um and the ramones box set the 80s years uh they put out they put out that um that was really cool because pleasant dreams has never been pressed officially on vinyl since its original release and the original release wasn't the master copy it was a copy of a copy um so it's never been pressed off the master for full like like a full official thing because for whatever reason it was only a copy of the copy that was pressed so you get a much clearer and much more vivid fucking sound of that record which sounds a little odd anyway and a little boxy but that's just the production that they chose at the time and uh i had already owned the original versions of every single one of these records but it was cool to get this in a full box set form with a various disc all black 180 gram vinyl except for the rarities disc which is clear with black and 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 pink splatter and it just came out out beautiful nice hard hard shell shell case that encases them all came with a sticker set and just everything looks fucking beautiful and that was well worth the price tag um and it was cool to support that on record store day even though record store day as we know can get a little is a little hokey for some aspects of it, but uh, hey, if there's a fucking release and the Ramones are on that fucking, you bet your balls, I'm going to go grab it. And I surely did. And that was fucking, I've listened to that a bunch. I've listened to every record just to, to hear the, the remasterings uh, of some of that stuff. And just, just hear them, uh, how they sound on wax uh, all these years later, not on the original tore up ones that I have. Um, it's cool to hear that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when you told me about that, uh, the way it was recorded and not from the master, I thought that was really crazy stuff. Like, it's it's insane, really. But it it's is. cool that it's cool when you can revisit that shit nowadays and 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 people make a, like an effort to restore stuff to yeah. maybe a better state. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 fucking awesome. It's so so much fun. Um, yeah, looking forward to that fucking Halloween ends vinyl though. Um. Because the the first two of Halloween eighteen and Halloween Kills they came out so great, sound great. The scores are uh, arguably the highlight of all three of the films. Even though <laughs> you know I I love I love the you know uh, Halloween eighteen and and Halloween ends, and I like Kills. Um, but the scores like having Johnny Carp there to score those films is I think that I think- that added a little extra butter on my bagel for that. For sure, I feel the same way. Like I'm glad to know that Carpenter has has, has been a part of of this of the new franchise, and uh, you know, with the soundtrack work, the score, and uh, also you know behind the scenes, just you know being a producer of sorts and and kind of giving his input. I think that's you know I think that's really awesome, and I think it speaks a lot about Roughhouse and 
and uh, David Gordon Green and McBride and Blum about, you know, to 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 care to want to ask him to do that too, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, shit, we we talked about a lot of shit. We got we covered fucking topics on this one. I like this, man. We should do this more often where we just kind of pick a few topics and bullshit. Yeah, this was uh people might even listen to this and be like, "Holy shit, is this a legit podcast? It sounds like a radio show." Uh <laughs> not just cursing and talking about fucking why BT's wrong. Exactly. Who can we call out? Sean, I'll say Sean. Sean, if you're, if you're listening to this, I'll give you $100. I'll give him fucking $200. All right. Let's see that right there. 300 bucks. We're, we're safe. He ain't listening. No, he ain't fucking listening. He's just sitting in that room of sins. But uh, yeah, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at HeartGuy Media. And you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Sight and Sound Podcast presented by HeartGuy Media. And yeah, we're gonna be back uh, a week or less or whatever. Um, we're gonna do my soul to take. So Eric, you gotta pop my soul to take on. We gotta watch that and uh, refresh and relive and discuss my soul to take. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think that movie has. We'll we'll get into it. So I'm not gonna say too much, but grossly underrated in my opinion. Yeah, I can't wait to to, to dive in. So it's gonna be a fucking good one. Uh, but yeah, check us out and. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you uh, next time.